says that in him we live and we move and we have our being. Let's just sing that. Till he returns or calls us home, here in the power of Christ, I stand. Lord, we just thank you, Lord. We look for that day. Lord, help us to live our lives in the light of the reality that you are returning or you are calling us home, Lord. In you we live, we breathe. We move. We have our being in you, Lord. We thank you for illumination, Lord. We ask that you would shine on our hearts this morning. As we open your word, Lord, that it would pierce our hearts. We thank you for your presence here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you take your seats? Well, good morning, Family Church. I want to begin with a a simple fact this morning that that should really permeate the core of who we are. And that simple fact is that the church, not your salvation, not my salvation, but the church is the greatest institution in the world. Amen? That's the truth. There's no greater anything than the church. No greater person. No greater country, no government, nothing is compared to the church. And we've been looking in Ephesians, and we've seen that God, from the beginning of time, was doing so many things for the culmination of the church, from the beginning to the very end. And the Bible talks about this being the mystery. And we've talked extensively over the past couple of weeks about what the mystery was. And that was that the Gentiles and that the Jewish people were going to be formed into one thing called the church. And so we're not going to dig into that because we've covered it so many times. But I think sometimes because of this incredible place where we live, we miss the majesty of the church. We miss how great the church actually is because we live in a pretty great place as well. I mean, not only do we live in the United States, but we live in Marco Island in the United States. Right? I mean, we, we... We have so many great freedoms that we have here. We have all of our needs met. And and we have really, any, any of our wants, we can almost attain all of them. And so, some places they have struggles that we don't have. But we have struggles here in the United States that many places don't because of an abundance of things. And I want to give an example of this. Um... That was instilled and ingrained in me. I went to public school all the way from elementary school to high school. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, but God saved me through it uh, very, towards the very end and redeemed me, protected me. It was his hand upon me. And ever since first grade, I can remember standing up every morning. And I'm a little worried about where I'm going with this. My wife said the same thing, and I said, I need to share this. This is what, what I really felt. And, and I stood, and I learned the Pledge of Allegiance every day. And I stood, and I, and I did these things. My parents in the Marines, we traveled all over the place. I love this country. I love the things it was founded on. But just a couple of years ago, I, I stood to say the pledge at a, at a sporting event. And as I was saying it, I thought to myself, I'm pledging myself I'm my whole allegiance to what? And, and then I, I'm like, I'm pledging it to a flag. I'm pledging it to a country. And then I thought, I'm a Christian. I can't do that. I actually can only pledge my allegiance to Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. 
Now, in the Bible, when I do that, I do pledge some things to the state, to the country, to the government, as it says in Romans. But to solely say my allegiance is to a nation, a king, or anything else but Jesus Christ, I couldn't do. And that really calls some things in me because from first grade all the way up, I, I did those things. And those are things as a, as a Christian, you begin to think differently of. And we live in such a place where we have so many freedoms. We have so many things, and I'm thankful for all of those things. But from the beginning to the end, this world, the things in our lives want our allegiance. And it's been that way since the beginning of time. Satan wanted Adam and Eve's allegiance. He said, God was lying to you. If you would just do this, you would be like God. He wanted their allegiance. All the way back to um, the Roman Empire, the early church. Caesar wanted the early Christians' allegiance, where they held him at sword point. And you say, pledge your allegiance to Caesar, not to, not to Jesus Christ. Same thing. Hitler removed all of the biblical teaching pastors in the country because he wanted their allegiance to a state rather than to God. And so all throughout time, from kings to pharaohs to queens, the same thing has been true. What are we stating and putting our allegiance to? The church is God's ultimate purpose. And we've seen that, and that's where it should be focused on as a church. That's what we've been teaching through in Ephesians. Pastor Terry said last week that we find our purpose. You find your purpose first when we're obedient to Jesus Christ, then purpose follows after it. We don't go seeking after purpose, and then we find it. We first are obedient, and then God gives us purpose. Well, this week... We're going to look this morning at how that kind of plays out in our life. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage us to turn to Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 9. Ephesians 3, verse 9. And we're going to work through all the way to verse 13. And it says this, And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that... Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Would you pray with me as we begin? God, we want to bring you praise. God, we want to be the type of church you want us to be. God, I pray that you may speak through me. May you teach us what you would have us learn this morning. Help us to, to drop everything else. We have so many things going on in our lives and schedules, and it seems so hard to carve out time, sometimes even to do the important things like going to church or spending time together as a family. But God, help us understand the importance of that this morning through your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we've clearly teached on what the mystery was. So we're not going to be digging into that, which is part of verse 9. So I want us to begin looking in verses 10 through 12. And I have a couple of questions. Why is it that we're meeting this morning? Why do we find time for Bible study? Why do we encourage connect groups? Why do we talk about Wednesday night prayer and worship night? And we talk about how important it is to be here. Why do we do these things? Well, Paul gives us an answer in verse 10. If you would look with me in verse 10, 
It says this, So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. Let's pause there. And let's break down the first half of the verse. It says, Through the church, so God's wanting to do things not through you or me, right, individually, but through who? The church, us. He's wanting to do things through the church. And it says the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. Well, what is a manifold? Well, some of you who work on cars may know what a manifold is. And we have a picture of that. And I I made sure I got a good one, right? It doesn't just have four manifolds. It actually has six going into one. And a manifold is many different things combining into one. The definition actually of a manifold is many and various or having many different forms. A manifold of a car, a pipe or chamber branching into several openings. So you have this manifold and the Bible says that God wants to do things through the church, the manifold. What this means is that God is wanting to pour things into the church, all these different branches, and it goes into one thing. And he's not doing it just through you or just through me. He's doing it through us, the body, the church. Um, manifold is also the, the same type of terminology used back in the Old Testament when we talked about Joseph's coat of many colors. It talked about a manifold in that type of terminology that when you look at this coat and all the different colors and sparkles and contrast, you see so many different things. And that's in the coat of many colors. Another example that the ladies will love is a diamond. Ooh, so we have this diamond, and it's the same, type of, the same type of terminology. A diamond only works, and it's only beautiful when there's light shining in it. And, and imagine the church like a diamond. When God's light is going in there, there's many facets that are on, on diamonds. Standard is, is one number. They've came out with a diamond now that has 124, 128 different facets on it. So every time light goes into one of those, it branches. And we have a picture, if we can go to the next picture, of how this actually works. Light comes in, it, it bounces off all of these different facets that are cut, and it goes into your eye. So every time you move around a diamond, you see sparkles. Well, the church is supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be the manifold that God is revealing himself Two, that is shining out to the world through us, but it's also shining out to some things that a lot of times we don't think about. A lot of times we don't think about. And it says that we're supposed to be shining through, and verse 10 says, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to who? The rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Very interesting. Point number one this morning. God's wisdom will be seen by the angelic beings through the church. So did you know that the church, we are helping the angels see God's wisdom unfold? They're the audience. The Bible talks about them being the audience, not just us. We have a part in this, but actually says that he's doing this to unfold his wisdom to the rulers and authorities. So angels and also fallen angels, demons. He's revealing his wisdom. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, you don't need to turn there, but you can jot it down if you're going to be in connect group. It says, Peter indicates that during the Old Testament period, the angels were actually wondering what God was going to do with this thing he was talking about called the church. I mean, they were trying to figure it out. How is God's plan going to unfold where he receives the glory? What is he building 
They're not all-knowing. They didn't know the future. They just saw God. And I can imagine the angels kind of sitting back and scratching their heads, wondering, maybe God doesn't really know how sinful these people are. I mean, if you've read through the Old Testament, we're, we're doing a Bible reading plan here, and you read how God provides for them, and then like the very next day, a rebellion raises against God. And then God is going to destroy them, and somebody steps in, and you know, this continuous thing, and the angels are like, maybe God doesn't realize how broken humanity is. You know, maybe they're just having this conversation. Maybe one of us should tell God, you know. Angels are not are not thinking that, but it would be easy for us to think that, right? If we were an angel, they, they see God and his majesty and his glory, and they're not distrusting him. They know his plan is perfect. Um, this past Wednesday night, we had a, a visiting pastor with us, and his, his name was Taylor. He's sons of some church attenders here, and uh, he talked about, man, if I was God, I would do things differently, I mean, it doesn't really seem that effective how God is doing things. It seems like, why didn't God just reveal himself to the whole world rather than sending us and sometimes it working and not working? Well, God is being as effective as he is going to be. There is no better way. There is no more effective way. And he's saying through the church, this is exactly how he wants to reveal himself which is incredible to think of because I don't know if you realize this, but we're pretty messed up, right? All churches are. All of us are. I mean, how dysfunctional the church is. God has decided, I'm going to use the church as dysfunctional as it is to reveal myself and my wisdom. You would think if he wants to reveal his wisdom, he wouldn't use us especially all of us put together with all of our flaws. But he says, I'm going to reveal my wisdom to the observers, the angels and the demons, to show them and to show the world how wise I really am and how effective I am and how great I really am. And I will receive the glory for everything done. And he says that he's going to do that. So number one, God's wisdom will be seen by angelic beings through the church. But secondly... Secondly, great news, God's wisdom will be experienced by the church. So he wants to show it, but it's not just that he's going to show it. We actually get to experience it. That's what it means to be part of a church. You are part of that multifaceted gem that God is going to shine into, but also he, can, he will and can change your life. He can change your mind, your heart. The desires of your heart, the the words you use, the conflicts between you and your spouse, all of those things, he changes for his glory and he does it where at? Where does he want that to happen? In the church. Now, why does he want it to happen in the church? Because he wants others to see it as well. It's it's not just individualistic. We live in a society that, that is so individualistic and we think that is like the glory and, and it has grown this way through time to where individuals are now society rather than society as a whole. But the Bible says the church is not just an individual. It is individuals comprising of one body. And, and so one thing that we tried this Wednesday night is we really want to encourage you guys to get to know one another, build one another, your family brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we put out some ropes in the back to try to push everybody forward. We didn't do that this morning. We wanted to kind of warn you that we're going to 
do that maybe next week? Because we have this, you know, you walk into a movie theater and, and you come in and you're like standing so nobody's staring at you, you know, that awkwardness. And you're trying to find like, oh, there, there's, a, there's a big row. You know, maybe I can go up there. It's not, it's not by anybody. We don't want that mentality at church. We want a mentality of, hey, there's some people there. Let's go sit beside them and we can get to know them, right? It was funny. We, we sectioned off most of the sanctuary so that we had, you know, 90 seats here. And people sat all on the front, all on the sides, all on the back, and all on the, the other side. And there was a huge gap in the middle. And we talked about it. Um, but that's just our natural tendency because of where we live in the United States. It's a, you know, they have their space. I have my bubble. Um, so we just want to warn you, we're going to section off just a couple of the back rows. Don't worry, there will still be a back row. So those of you who love the back row, there will still be a back row for you. Um, but this is what the church is. God wants to reveal himself in and through the church, even in our struggles. So that when you're struggling with something, somebody in the church, if we're open, they can come alongside of you. And come and minister to you and encourage you. And the same when somebody else is struggling because we all have struggles. From the top down, but God. Wisdom will be experienced by the church. Look with me in verses 11 and 12. It says, This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So it's not just that he leaves us alone, but he actually gives us boldness. He gives us confidence, and we're able to experience life change. There is nothing that you are going to experience in this life that God's word does not have an answer to, that he wants to fulfill and change and work in you through the church. Do you believe that this morning? Because it's true. The church, the church, the church, that's what it's about. That's where it is at. And I know for me, I didn't grow up learning this. I learned that salvation was the primary thing and that it was all about me. And I even learned things where even if you were the only person in the world, God would have still sent his son to die for you. That's how much he loves you. And he does love you in a measurable amount. But it wasn't just his love that he died for you so you can live for him. It's that you can live for him in the church. Because the church is what he's chosen to reveal himself to the world to reveal himself to the nations, to reveal himself to your neighbors, to your co-workers, and also, as we've seen in the text, to reveal his wisdom through the church to the angels and the fallen angels. John MacArthur said it this way, in the classroom of God's universe, he's the teacher, the angels are his students, the church is the illustration, and the subject is the manifold wisdom of God. I didn't ever hear that growing up. I thought I was a subject. I thought I was the main thing that God was most concerned with. And it's incredible because, listen, this is good news. We're not the subject, but we get to partake in it. And he's given us the incredible blessings of salvation. Salvation was just the ticket into the party. That's just the ticket into. It's not the final thing. It's, there's even better things in the church than just salvation. And that's what I never heard. And that's what going through this study has been challenging me with. And I have a, a couple of challenging questions for us. A lot of times I think challenging questions are actually encouraging questions. I don't know if everybody thinks that, but 
just take it this way, that I'm trying to encourage you this morning, because if you're challenged, you're going to go closer to the Lord, and I see that as encouragement. So, a couple of challenging and questions for us this morning. I have two pictures that we're going to show, and I want you to think to yourself, is the church more important in my life than picture number one? So, picture number one, we have beautiful Marco Island, where we live, and then I have picture number two, which is another place in the world, uh, just a slum. Do we believe, actually, that the church is more valuable than picture number one in our lives? That the church is the priority. The church is the big thing, not necessarily just where I live. Because if we go to this place to minister to these people, are we going to be as excited about the church, the church as we are about Marco Island or a beautiful place? See, that's where the church should be, is because picture number one and picture number two, in comparison to the church, are nothing, the Bible says. These things fade away. They're going to be thrown into the fire, but the church, the church is the incredible gift and where you will experience everything that God wants you to experience. Joy, love, compassion. But also you're going to understand sinfulness, bitterness, and jealousy. And you know where you find it at? You find those things in the church too. You find them in your family. You find them with your spouse, right? All of those things are there too. But in the church is where he wants to reveal these things. Another couple of pictures for us. The next one is just a home. I mean, this is, there's many definitions of what a house is. Picture number one, but picture number two. There's also a home in just another country. Do we consider these the same thing in comparison to the church that we've been given? We've been given salvation. And, and I was thinking, man, if, if I go over to these type of places, am I able to talk with such excitement about salvation, but not only salvation, about being part of this thing called the church? Am I that excited about the church as I would be about having a beautiful house versus a shack? And that was something to where, man, I know so many times because of where I live and the many blessings God has given me that so many times that takes my focus away. And I don't, I don't think of the church as highly as God says the church is. And that's something we need to pursue because just because we don't think the church is that incredible and that rich doesn't mean it's not. It just means we haven't experienced it yet. Maybe because church to us, we've grown up in this mindset where church is a Sunday morning hour, hour and a half thing. But God's word says church is so much more than that. It's a body of believers who are humbling themselves, looking out for one another, loving themselves or loving others more than they love themselves. All of those things as we begin and are, are doing, I think we are beginning to function the way the Bible says a church needs to function. And this has been a long transition, but we still have a long way to go. A long way to go. Um, one example of this is just greeting one another. I mean, you see somebody else, you don't know them, love them, greet them, welcome them. That's what it means to be part of the church, this type of loving thing. I want us to, uh, to look a little bit more into the text in verse 13. Our text ends this morning with Paul alluding to the suffering that he was enduring. So look with me in verse 13. He says this, So I ask you, 
And he's speaking to the church. I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Which leads us to point number three. The church is central to Christian living. The church is central to Christian living. Paul was willing to pay any price to make sure that the church moved forward in glorifying God. That was his primary focus. He was willing to give everything up. He said, listen, I know my eternity is set in Jesus Christ and nobody can take that away. So I'm willing to be free with everything. I'm, I'm going to be free with my life. I'm going to be free with my finances. I'm going to be free with everything I have because my purpose is to help edify the church, to love the church, to preach about the church, encourage people in the church to love one another. That was his job and that's what he was doing in these letters. He was willing to give everything up for the purpose of the church moving forward. Bottom line, church for a committed Christian is not an option. To say you're a committed Christian or to say that, but you're not really involved in the church or the church is just a little, little thing on your calendar that you go to and then separate from, that's how I was taught growing up for years and years and years. But God's been beginning to teach us the church is so much more than what we've acted upon. We've focused on salvation rather than the church. Salvation was for the purpose of the church. And, and I'm not saying you have to go to church to be a Christian. But you know what? You also don't have to ever go home to be married. That's, that's what the Bible actually talks about in comparison of you don't have to go home to be married, but you know what? You're, you're going to have a suffering marriage if you never go home. You can still be married. And the same is true with the church. To be a committed Christian means that, man, we should be moving so much together forward in the church, committed to one another. And I've already revealed the little secret that, you know what? In the church, people will turn their back on you. People are going to hurt you. We, as pastors, are going to make mistakes because we are broken, sinful people too. From the top down, from the pastors and leadership, all the way down to the kids over in the nursery who's probably throwing toys at one another right now because I wanted that toy and they took it away from me. All of us are sinful, but we're all in this and it's God who's bringing us together because he wants the church to be the ones to speak into one another's life because he, re he receives the most glory in that. He receives the most glory in our family within the church. The church is where you will experience grace from others. It's where you will experience somebody gossiping about you. All of those things happen in the church, unfortunately. And when that happens, you have an opportunity to show love and grace and to do the biblical thing. So all of these things, they're not just for the world and the church is the perfect place where you come. The church is actually where God's saying, I know that they did this to you, but look what you've done to me. And I've extended love and I've extended grace and I've extended mercy. So you can now do the same. It's easy to love those who love you, but it's hard to love those who hate you. You know, in the church is where that's exhibited. No other place in the world do you see those things, but it should be in the church. The church is where justice will be upheld. Righteousness will be upheld. There will be a standard that we keep. And there's a fine line the Bible speaks of in doing that and talking about sin. And, and a book that we're going through in staff is Shepherding a Child, or not Shepherding a Child's Heart. It's Instruments in the Hands of the Redeemer. And it talks about this very thing of the church. When you have somebody who's a, a friend and they're talking to you about a struggle in their marriage. 
or a struggle with sin or something that they don't know what to do with, you as a Christian have an opportunity to come alongside of them. That's what it means to be part of the body. That's what it means to be part of the church. That's why we encourage you to not just come on Sunday mornings, but our Wednesday nights where we have prayer and worship and we come together and we encourage people to sit together, get to know one another, because we easily do everything alone because our society encourages that. They encourage you to be your own person, to be independent. But the Bible says, and God says, you will receive the most out of everything in the body of the church. So it is so, so important. Nevertheless, that we're imperfect, we're broken and sinful. And we will sometimes with right motives try to do the right thing. And you know what? We will fail in doing so. We will fail. I know for me, there was a, a couple of, I think it was a couple of months now where, where I sent an email off to a couple of church members about something I thought was wrong. And I did it in a wrong way, but with right intentions. And I went back and I apologized. I said, hey, this is the intention. I did it in the wrong way. You will experience that often. Don't be surprised when it happens, right? Don't be surprised when somebody sins because sin is natural, but what's in the church is how God wants us to do this. So I encourage us, continue to be committed. Continue to love one another. Get to know one another. This is where your salvation, what it was given to us for, so that we can begin to reveal Christ because we are the thing he has chosen. So would you pray with me? And then we have um, a special privilege after this. Let's pray. God, we do give you praise for who you are. God, that you can receive the glory from this thing called the church. God, what a, what a joy and privilege that is. May you do a work in us. Help us to grow and love one another more and more. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning, um, we've had a, a family that's been visiting with us for the past couple of weeks. And their daughter came to me two weeks ago and, and said, you know, do you guys do baptisms here? I'm, I'm really interested. And I had a chance to meet with this family yesterday, and we met for about two hours and, and talked with them. And they just, she just explained her name is Hannah, and Hannah really explained her desire to be baptized. And I was so encouraged spending time with this family and, and her desire to be baptized. It's for the right reasons. believe that she is a follower of Jesus Christ. They're at another church up north, um, so they're not able to be down here for very long. But we're going to hear from Hannah and also her father, Dan, and um, if they would come up, that would be great if you could give them. And she's going to be being baptized today after this. So this is Dan Marcourt and Hannah. Good morning. Well, as Pastor Casey said, my name is Dan Marcourt. My family and I live in uh, the suburbs of Chicago, and we like to think of Marco as our home away from home, and we've been coming down here for seven years. Uh, this past year has been an especially challenging one. We had a large church that we called home for 16 years, where I served on the elder board for the last four years we were there. Uh, we saw the Lord grow the church nearly tenfold in the years we were there, but began to see some changes that concerned us, uh, along with many friends and some others in leadership. 
the teaching became more about personal experience and less focused on God's word. The pastor became more of a celebrity than a shepherd. For years, uh, the church said they were not concerned about the quantity of disciples, but the quality of disciples. And that powerful phrase became absent from the lips of leadership. Services became more of a production, and the focus was increasingly on attendance and giving. After voicing numerous concerns over nearly a year with a couple others in leadership, we could no longer continue, and I resigned from leadership. And we left the only church home that our children had ever known. The Lord guided us to a small local church where the pastor models humility and the word of God is taught in a way that challenges us each week. The focus is on making and building disciples as scripture directs. We feel so grateful to have been here at Family Church over the last month. And I have to commend what your pastoral team is doing here. Your pastor's teaching of God's word is powerful. Their emphasis on discipling of um, your church uh, family to be hearers and doers of the word is God-honoring. As followers of Christ, we should all be set-apart people who are a light in this ever-darkening world where truth is being diluted and sin is being erased from people's vocabularies. The worship here at the family church has been so uplifting and, uh, and heartfelt. We thank God for Luke and his worship team and the blessing they've been to our family over the last month. Back on January 30th, my wife Jennifer was hit in a head-on uh, by a reckless driver less than half a mile from our home. She sustained uh, numerous injuries and couldn't walk, cook, drive, etc. for weeks. And um, as her cuts and bruises and bones uh, began to heal over months, uh, she began physical therapy and was making progress. Less than two months ago, we found out that as a result of the impact trauma, she had sustained a life-threatening arterial aneurysm uh, requiring immediate surgery. Uh, praise the Lord, the surgery was a complete success, uh, but she was, still had some concerning symptoms following the surgery that warranted further testing. And those tests revealed that she also suffered cerebral hemorrhaging, and we were directed to consult with uh, multiple neurologists for their assessment. Praise the Lord, uh, there was no new bleeding, and that her symptoms uh, should diminish with time. All of this was found out only days before heading down here uh, for a time of rest and recovery following her surgery. Our daughter, Hannah, along with the rest of our kids, uh, feel right at home here at the family church. In fact, our, our son, Sam, ranked uh, church in the top two of his favorites while here in Florida, right up there with Disney World. <laughs> Hannah, who... Uh, yeah, no, you can clap for that. That's great. Uh, Hannah, who just graduated high school, said that she'd really like to get baptized here. She felt more at home here 
um, than at our church back in Chicagoland. When we talked to Pastor Casey and Terry and Luke, we were so impressed at what the Lord's doing here. We commended them to stay the course and encouraged uh, them that God will bless his church. Hannah felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to get baptized here uh, as our new church home away from home, as she's been waiting a long time for this. Uh, she didn't want to get baptized simply because others did. Uh, she didn't want. To, uh, she wanted to do it as an act of obedience, and where she could make a public profession of faith in Christ, fully knowing what it meant and the sacrifices that she will have to make, and has made, to be a uh, to be faithful to Christ. Uh, I grew up in the Lutheran Church and was taught that baptism was a means of grace, and that even as a baby you were saved. When challenged to read God's word exclusively and see if I came to that same conclusion, my, my eyes were open to the reality that in, in Scripture, it always mentioned the sequence of believe and be baptized again and again. No children or infants were ever baptized in the Bible, and it says nothing of salvation resulting from being baptized but states in Romans ten seventeen, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. I'm so thankful that Hannah has placed her faith in Christ alone as her savior. As a young adult, she understands this is a lifelong commitment, meaning that she needs to turn from her sin and live for Christ, knowing that he is always with her. The reason I'm getting baptized today is because I want to show the Lord and the world that I'm a forever servant of Jesus Christ. I loved Jesus as long as I can remember. I can't recall an official time that I accepted him into my life. But when I was around 13 years old, I started to take my faith more seriously and wanted to learn more about him. My Christian life has been rewarding and challenging for me. I see the Lord's compassion and love through adoption and missions work. The Lord has blessed me with a wonderful family and the gift of graduating high school from being homeschooled. I've had challenges my whole life, though. I've always known what it's meant to follow the world and that those who follow the world are dead to Christ. As 1 John 2, 15, verse 17 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. I never went with the flow, and that cost me the price of friends. It was hard to stand up for God's laws and not give in to Satan's simple temptation of just do what other people are doing, and you'll be happy, and have a bunch of friends, and everyone will like, and everyone will like you. I've learned to lean on the Lord through the promise that one day he'll provide the right husband for me and honor my commitment to remain pure in every way. These past few months have been hard. As my dad said, my mom was in a serious car wreck. She broke several bones, but the doctor said she would be okay. Recently, they found out that she had an artery aneurysm and a brain hemorrhaging, 
And from the time that they found out, even when we found out on, off the phone and even after the surgery, that my mom had the possibility of dying. And dealing with that horrible fact gave me the challenge not to be angry with God. And knowing that everything happened for a purpose and hoping that he would get her through this. And I would, I would pray constantly to the Lord, just crying, please, please, please don't take my mom away from me. Because I couldn't picture my life without her. I thought, I thought something, and it said, would you still love me? And follow me if I took your mom away. That was so hard for me to think about to think about that. But I just simply answered yes. I would be a mess, but I would always follow you. Sorry. <laughs> it takes faith to accept that the Lord gives and that the Lord takes away. My faith has grown throughout all this. And after all this, I, be, I feel so much closer to him. I'm really thankful for this church. And I really, really like it here. And I wish I could bring it back home with us. Or we could move down here, which would be awesome. Jesus is my savior, and I'm nothing without him. I'm just a sinful person. And he's the one person that gives me hope and reason to live. I want to be obedient to him in everything that I do. I want to live for him. And I want to show others that he is their savior. And I want, I want everybody to be able to go, to go to heaven and to live a life of joy. And that's why I want to get baptized, because I want everyone to see Jesus is a wonderful person, and you should really think about accepting him into your life. Sure, it won't be the most simple task, and you will bump into challenges, but he will always love you, no matter what happens. So, that's why I want to get baptized. What a powerful testimony. It's about being a family, whether we're a family. Now see, Pastor Casey said, he said, I read the testimony. I was like bawling in my office. So um, what a powerful testimony. Uh, you know, family church, we are a family, right? We are a church. And as such, we love, it should be our heart's desire and goal to reflect Christ's love to everyone around us. And so, you know, I have this uh, task now of sharing some announcements. But what, a, what an amazing thing to, to hear that testimony and to hear that young lady uh, committing her life to the Lord and to be bold for the Lord. That boldness is not something that we all have. You know, we don't all stand up and say, you know, I'm a believer and we shout it out from the rooftops. Although the words, God's scripture does challenge us to do so. But as a family, one of the things that is relevant 
is that we gather together and we support one another and we support each other in the church. And I just would like to um, thank all of you who support the church, who support the family church through your attendance, through your service, through your giving, through your prayers. The last two weekends here, each Saturday, the last two weekends has been a, a hustle and bustle of activity. We had uh, two weeks ago, we had a work day and uh, we had a bunch of people show up and we spread three pallets of mulch and hauled off three truckloads of weeds and junk and all kinds of stuff. So it was an amazing opportunity to fellowship and to serve and tidy up the place. And then yesterday, there was a, a group of folks that showed up to help prepare for VBS. I don't know if you noticed the decorations or not. <laughs> but uh, if you go down the hallway into children's ministry, there's even more decorations there. The VBS is going to be an exciting time this week for, for young folks, again, to hear about Christ, to hear about uh, understanding what it is to be a believer, understanding what it is to surrender their life and to defend their faith. Um, because of the activities that are going on this week, you'll notice in your bulletin that the core classes, I'm sorry, that the connect groups will not meet this week, but the connect groups are going to be doing another service. And the connect groups have agreed to prepare meals for each one of the evenings for the workers and volunteers for the, for the VBS. So praise you, praise God for you, those of you that are going to be uh, making meals for the rest of the folks that are going to be working. Uh, the VBS, there's some additional information. If you know somebody that would like to register their child for VBS, there's a registration form on the website, so you can follow up with that. And uh, we'll be kicking that off tomorrow night, getting things going. Uh, next Sunday, <clears throat> next Sunday is going to be our fifth Sunday of the month, and we have our family worship time. And that, uh, what that means is if you have children that are over uh, nursery age, uh, they are invited to join us in the congregation during our worship service. Uh, core classes will be starting. There's a little flyer in here for new core classes. will be starting in a couple of weeks, so we would encourage you to check those out, check out that little flyer. And again, if you have any questions about when certain things happen, uh, please check out our website and check out the calendar. That has a lot of good information there. Uh, so there's a lot, obviously, that's going on around the family church, the family we come and we go. Sometimes we see you, and we don't see you for a couple of weeks because you travel. We see folks come and go from different times, but we all are here as a family. And uh, if you need anything, call us. If you need any prayer, let us know. Stop by. Monday afternoons, the pastors have set aside for meeting with members and attenders to be able to have a prayer time or a meeting time with them. So if you need anything, please just let us know. Let's work together. And, and give all the glory to God for all the different things that, that we can accomplish together for God as a church. All right. Would you please stand with me? We're going to go ahead and pray before we go out to the baptism. I want to encourage you, if you, if you can, please stick around for the baptism. This is a, an amazing opportunity to see somebody who's dedicating their life to the Lord make that transition, that outward expression of that choice to serve God. So we would encourage you to gather around the baptismal fountain and join us for the baptism. So let's go ahead and pray and then we'll dismiss. Heavenly Father, we praise you for today. We praise you for your son Jesus. We thank you for being able to come into your presence through him. We know that we are not perfect, but we are made perfect through Jesus Christ. We thank you for the family that you have given us, the church. As Pastor Casey talked 
that that church, this church, our church, your church, is what you've created and intended all along. And Lord, we praise you for the ability to come together and to represent you. Father, we thank you for the teaching. We thank you for your word. We praise you for the coming week. And Lord, now we want to thank you and give you praise for a heart that is turned over to you, surrendered to you, Lord God, as we celebrate baptism. Please be with us as we move through our week. And Lord, help us to be an encouragement to those around us that we might encounter. Help us to share the love of Christ to those we run into, we meet with, and speak with. Lord, we thank you for today, and we praise you for all you provide, all you give, and all your love. In Christ's name, amen. You are dismissed. I'll see.